Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Crickets to Cha-Chings podcast. I am Julie Berninger, co-founder of Gold City Ventures, and I have an extra special episode for you today. It's our third transition episode, and we're featuring my business partner and good friend, Cody Berman. Welcome, Cody. What's going on, Julie? Excited for this one. I am so excited. It's been a busy week in my household. I had a dozen four-year-olds descend on my house this past weekend. We did so many fun things. We had a pinata. No one got hit with a stick. That was fantastic. We did a holiday egg hunt. And I think this is a fun tip for people selling on Etsy in that they're taking traditions that are for some holidays and you can just make them for other holidays. So I went and I bought 200 eggs with jack-o'-lantern faces from Target at 3 a.m. the night before <laughs> and they put candy in them and the kids had so much fun. It was an absolute blast. So I'm a little tired. The house is a little messy, but it was a success. How are you? That sounds awesome. I have never heard of Easter turned Halloween, but I guess there's Christmas in July, so <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised by this. But I'm excited for this conversation today. It's one that we didn't want to put off. We're definitely not experts in what we're going to be talking about today, but we haven't seen too many people talking about it. So we wanted to bring it to everyone's attention and talk about the elephant in the room. Absolutely. So let's not delay any further. Let's dive right into it. So what happened? About two weeks ago, the rumor mill was popping up in the Etsy Facebook groups. And if anyone is not in an Etsy Facebook group, you've spared yourself. It's a complete dumpster fire of negativity <laughs> and drama. But I tend to enjoy it. I like being in there. And I'm talking about the big public free ones, not the paid ones like what we have in our community. But there were people reporting that some of the biggest print-on-demand shops were getting shut down for seemingly no reason. Now, we know, Cody, when sometimes shops get shut down from Etsy and they're in these groups, if we find out later that they were selling Disney items or something. And there was yeah. a reason. But in this case, it seemed that there was no reason. And what people were reporting is that the sellers were breaking the listing image policy. Had you ever heard of this policy going into all of this drama? Not this policy in particular. I've definitely heard of, I've seen people like, oh my God, my shop got shut down. I don't know what happened. And you look at their shop and they're selling like Iron Man stuff. It's like, well, yeah. that's why you got shut down. That is copyright abuse. You, you can't go and sell Disney's trademark stuff. But no, this listing image, this mock-up thing was not something I'd heard about before. But once you kind of brought it to my attention, I'm like, interesting. I did not know that Etsy was going to be that protective or these companies, these production companies were going to be that protective and specific about the mock-ups that you can use for POD items. Yep. So let's not bury the lead. Let me read Etsy's listing image requirements straight out of the seller handbook. So we're all on the same page. So for handmade items, it said listing photos should be of the finished product made by you. Different handmade techniques produce different results. And it's important that your images accurately reflect the product the buyer will receive. Mockups may be used for digital items because they correctly depict the item. If an item is created with production assistance, the listing photo should be of the finished product or an image supplied by the production partner that accurately depicts the item the buyer will be receiving. Sellers are responsible for ensuring that these images properly represent their finished items. So the TLDR on that is if you are not using the mock-up that's provided to you from the production partner, and by production partner, we mean like a Printify or Printful or some of these third-party websites that sellers are using for print-on-demand items. If you're buying a really cute t-shirt mock-up from Etsy, for example, you are probably not meeting the listing image requirement as it's listed here in the seller handbook. Now, we're not lawyers here. We're just two Etsy sellers with the same information that you have on this. But it seems to me that we have a big problem in the POD space. Yeah. And I think this is something that we talk about a lot. We say, 
yes, this is the right way to do it. Like not everyone's going to get in trouble. Not there. The Etsy police can't catch everyone. And that's why you see the Disney shops. That's why you, sh- you see the Taylor Swift shops. That's why you see all these shops. And then other people get jealous. They're like, oh, this person's making so much money. Maybe I should go copy them. So yes, you might see POD sellers who get around this, who buy cute AI mockups, who have like these things that weren't supplied by Printful or Printify. And yes, they might have tons of tons of sales, but that doesn't mean that Etsy can't drop the hammer and then all of a sudden they just disappear overnight, like some of the big POD sellers that you saw in these groups. Yep. And some people were saying, oh, they think that Etsy just added this policy. But I went in the Wayback Machine, which is a website where you can enter in any URL, a web address, and look up to see if it was changed. And they did show me a capture from, I believe it was November 2020, where it had that language. So the listing image requirements have, have seemingly always been this way. And it's just something that I think people look the other way on because it benefited everybody to have cute looking mock-ups. So buyers were probably more likely to buy when it was a trendy, for example, let's think of sweatshirts. If it was a girl with a peace sign with kind of cute pastel images and all of the aesthetic that customers are looking for, they're probably more likely to buy than if they were using one of the plain Printful or Printify mock-ups that are just a person on a white background and it's just more boring and it doesn't convey any emotion or really move you as a customer to purchase. Having buyers purchase or more likely to purchase based on a cute mock-up benefited Etsy, it benefited the seller, it benefited these third-party sites such as Printful and Printify. But I can see where Etsy is coming from on the other hand, because when you are a buyer on Etsy, you are trusting that your product is coming and it looks exactly like it is. And I know because I have tried to sell in the POD space, it can get a little confusing when you're just starting out, figuring out what size to make the design on the shirt, to making sure that you understand what brand of t-shirt, for example, or you know, mug or whatever the third-party fulfillment center is going to use, and then making sure that the listing images that you're purchasing actually match that, making sure the sizing is correct. There are a lot of opportunities where people can drop the ball, and I can see customers getting mad when their shirt shows up and it doesn't look like what's pictured. And Etsy really, and all of us, we really depend on customer trust And it's really important that when customers buy from Etsy, they know that their product's going to be good. It's going to come on time, all of that. So I can see where Etsy is coming from if they're going to start being a little bit tighter on the the rules for this. I actually just had this happen to me, not with POD specifically, but it was a shirt I bought. I think it was off Amazon or some other website. And the mock-up was just clearly a generic mock-up. And when it came in, it didn't fit anything like that. Like it was so different. And so I can totally see where Etsy's coming from. Like, they, the last thing they want is a dissatisfied buyer on their platform who's like, I don't want to buy off Etsy anymore. Like this, pro- I had such a bad experience with this POD product. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go shop somewhere else. So that's what Etsy is trying to avoid. But to your point, I can see the printfuls and printifies of the world trying to figure this out, trying to amend this. Like who knows if they come out with better, cuter mockups, like more options that people can pick from. I actually don't know. And maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but does it say anything in that listing image doc about like, editing a printful mock-up like could you add a little doodads to it to make it nicer or better looking from the just plain person in the white t-shirt with the white background it does not refer to editing the image and actually that might be an interesting way like maybe someone could add something over it like an overlay just to try to make some sort of personalization (laughs) but that's exactly what i think is going to happen too so in terms of how much should we freak out about this if you are a pod seller just stay tuned Right now, we as two podcast hosts and Etsy sellers, we don't have the answers on this, but we know that who's going to be working really, really hard to figure it out. So Printful and Printify, 
if this is true, that sellers are getting suspended based on using mock-ups for POD. Now, it said here in the Etsy seller handbook that it's mock-ups are fine for digital products. It's fine. Right now, it's more of the POD space that we're seeing the concerns. And it's not totally widespread. Like we would know if every single POD shop that used a mock-up was getting shut down. It doesn't seem to be that. It seems to be more of like a rumor mill. Some of the bigger shops are getting getting warnings or shut down. It's not like a widespread thing. Etsy hasn't sent an email about it. There's no policy or blog article that I've seen. I checked the forums this morning. They didn't put an official announcement on the forums. So I think it's it's not a huge issue yet. But if I were in the POD space, I would start making sure I'm on the email list for Printify, for Printful, and seeing how they're going to handle it. I bet you they're scrambling on their back end to improve their mock-up generators. They did add some lifestyle images. I noticed, I think I was on the Printify website earlier this morning, and they added some lifestyle images. They're not as good as the ones that you'll buy on Etsy, but you bet they're going to start making them a lot better because imagine their company, bottom line, they're not going to want to lose revenue from Etsy sellers, I'm sure, and maybe Amazon and other sites might be also making up their revenue, but they're going to be on it. So I think that's who we're going to follow and look towards. And then also the POD coaches, they're going to be scrambling to come up with their position on this. We have an Etsy digital products program, ePrintables, so we're, and we're not necessarily the right people to be thought leaders on it, but that's who I'm going to be following. I actually asked a very prominent POD coach to come on the podcast today, and they were not ready to share yet, which is totally understandable because (laughs) everyone is still trying to figure it out. We're just figuring it out like everybody else. Like you said, we're just, we're two Etsy sellers, but we're in the digital product space. So this is more like a, what's going on? We are observers, just like everyone who's tuning in right now. We're just trying to figure it out with the rest of us. But yeah, to your point, if I was Printful or Printify, I would be hiring a graphic designer or even using AI and just like creating hundreds of these different mock-ups as if, if this is a true issue on Etsy because I don't know what percentage of their sales, meaning Printful and Printify, come from Etsy. I'm guessing it's a pretty big percentage. Like POD is a huge space and I definitely wouldn't want to lose that if I were the person running those companies. No, they're going to be on it. No, it's hard from a tech perspective to pivot. I know I used to work at the biggest tech companies in the US, so it's not easy as, oh, let's just make a whole new tool overnight. Like They're going to probably be working really hard to get it released. I bet I haven't heard anything particularly from them. We could reach out to them actually and see if they have anyone that, that's wanting to speak on it. That would be helpful, I think, for POD people listening. But I'm I'm definitely staying tuned to see what's going to happen. And I think for those of you that are digital product sellers, right now, we're meeting all the requirements of the seller handbook by using mock-ups. That's still fine. I think what Cody and I are starting to experiment with is printing out and photographing some of our digital products. For us as printable sellers, some people don't have a printer, but it's not as cost prohibitive. Like I understand in the POD space why you're not, why you're not getting a hundred different Gildan T-shirts for all of your designs. I get it. it it's it's not going to happen. So hopefully they come up with another solution. But I think in the digital product space, we're kind of isolated. I do see one impact though. I was on eRank the other day, and eRank, for those of you that don't know, is one of the best, if not the best, Etsy seller research tools. And I was searching for breakout shops of 2023, so shops that have tons of sales already this year, who just like they have thousands above everyone else in our category. And some of the shops were mock up shops. And I know a lot of people, like you said, are starting to sell AI mock ups in the digital product space. And if I think if I were one of those digital product sellers, I would diversify my product mix because I think the demand for mock ups, if not yet, it's going to start going down as more and more sellers become aware of these seller handbook requirements. Absolutely. 
I know something that was interesting you were talking about earlier before we hit record, Julie, was the woman with the rugs. So I think it would be really helpful to kind of talk about that and maybe some other creative monetization strategies that if you do have a POD shop and you're listening to this right now and you're freaking out, there are some other solutions out there. I know you could go and change all your mock-ups, but even outside of selling on Etsy, like there are some really creative and interesting monetization opportunities if you want to talk about that. Yep. And this is what I hope we can bring to the podcast going forward because Cody and I are online business people and we love business. We love talking about scaling and growth and sales channels. So we're going to get down into the weeds of systems and scalability and all of that. And we're always also always on the lookout of examples of Etsy sellers that have really crushed it in this way. So as we know, Etsy is a handmade platform. And similar to the mock-up thing, they have in their seller handbook that the items need to be handmade. And if they're not, they need to be disclosed with that there was a production partner helping to produce the item. So from the casual seller who's just doing this as a side hustle, you can produce only a certain amount of items per week. And then it's really difficult once you do become a successful seller. Okay, now how do I scale this business out of just me and my time and producing the products? And there are sellers that they get production assistance. They You'll hear about sellers that have, oh, I have this warehouse now or whatever. But it can be difficult once you reach that point. Well, how do I still meet Etsy's handmade seller policy? And how do I get away from the generic listing images and the mock-ups? And I get where Etsy's coming from because they really need to maintain who they are as a unique platform where you can buy personalized goods that are handmade. But from the seller perspective, it's hard to do that. So an example of a seller that I've been following for a few years there's a woman on Instagram. Her name's Madeline. And her Instagram handle is happy.rugs. And we'll link to happy.rugs. And we'll link to it in the show notes here. But she sells those handmade kind of loop rugs. And she became famous, famous quote unquote, during the pandemic on TikTok when everyone was kind of watching. And I don't know why, but it's just really cool watching her make these rugs. Like I, I've been following her and I have her stuff saved under my hobbies wish list where I have other things like buy a Glowforge, which is a laser cutter. I have this buy this rug loop thing, and I just don't have time. I have a cricket in the corner of my basement. I just don't have time to be a hobby and a crafter. But she and her skill set is definitely on my wish list. I think it's so cool. So she's making those loop yarn rugs. And then what she does is she makes these like cool designs, but she makes very trendy designs. Like she'll make like boba tea. She'll make iced coffees. She'll do all these really cool things and then she'll take the little shaver at the end and she'll shave off the excess yarn. And I just, it's really therapeutic to watch her. <laughs> but anyways, she went through an evolution with her business that I've been following where she got to the point where she could only make between five to 10 rugs per month, but she blew up. So she had TikTok influencers like Charlie D'Amelio, who I, I wasn't an OG TikToker, but if you were, you would know she's a famous, she was a teenager then, but now she's a 20 something who was famous for dancing, I think on TikTok. I don't exactly know why she originally got famous, but she, she had her own uh, Dunkin's drink at Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. So this actually <laughs> explains a lot because I wonder if Charlie connected Madeline with Dunkin's. So this week, Madeline just did a collaboration I saw with Dunkin' Donuts. Wow, where, look at that timing. <laughs> yes, Cody, look at you. <laughs> I knew you were on this podcast as a co-host for a good reason. So Madeline did a collaboration with Dunkin' Donuts where Dunkin' Donuts is paying her to create rugs with their brand and to turn them into almost like a promotional opportunity for Dunkin's on social media. And I thought that was just a really cool example of how an Etsy seller can start to bring in other sources where it doesn't become the, oh, I don't have time or I'm not meeting the handmade requirements or, or whatever. So I, I don't know how much Dunkin's actually paid her, but it was effective, right? Because 
I actually DoorDashed Dunkin' Donuts this morning. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, <laughs> and DoorDashing a coffee is a real new low for me. But I, it's it's been a busy week. I'm still you know getting I'm still cleaning after having all those four year olds just completely run through my house for Halloween this past week. But I thought it was just so cool, and that just shows you an example as an Etsy seller. Wow! Like, had I ever thought I could do collaborations with brands? Did I ever think that expanding my business to social media and looking at uh, partnering with influencers like Charlie D'Amelio. Is that something that I ever thought? It doesn't have to be this whole, oh, I'm not a handmade seller anymore. I got to scale to warehouses and that kind of approach. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. I think it's just the putting yourself out there, right? It's You're already doing this thing. Like, Let's say you have a Cricut machine or you're embroidering shirts or you're putting different acrylics on whatever, whatever the thing you might be doing, like just turn your camera on while you're doing it. And there's content. Just put that out on like an Instagram or a TikTok. Like I'm sure that's what the the rug woman did. And it got the attention of like these huge mega stars. And now she has a brand deal with Dunkin' Donuts. So you just never know what's going to happen if you just put yourself out there. And especially if it's something you're already doing, if you just turn the camera on, even if you don't want your face on camera, just put yeah. it on your hands and the mug or your hands and the shirt. And people are going to be fascinated. It might just be like, another Tuesday for you making these five shirts. But for someone who's never seen that before, they're like, wow, this is such a cool process. And that they might even become a buyer because they see how cool the process is. And like, oh, I want this certain designer. I want to buy this. I want to do that. So yeah, there's a lot of opportunities for people who just put themselves out there. You never know what's going to happen. Yep. And I did look today and happy.rugs, Madeline, she is not selling on Etsy anymore, or at least she doesn't advertise that she sells on Etsy. She's on Amazon. And I saw on her website, she had kind of an update that she is scaling with ethically sourced local artisans to do ethically sourced, I believe, wool to produce these rugs. So she's she's not at the point of selling on Etsy, but I think following her journey over the last couple of years has been really cool. So I want to start to bring into the podcast examples of sellers who have kind of thought out of the box in terms of their monetization strategies, because there's only so much time in the day. And I think just myself with having two kids, four and under, I can really feel stretched for time. So I can see as an Etsy seller how opportunities to make more money with less time with what you're already doing. That's the way that many of us want to go. So whether or not we want to be social media collaborators with Charlie D'Amelio or not, <laughs> or Dunkin' Donuts, I, I wonder how many people listening actually even know about Dunkin' Donuts. It's a very East Coast thing. And Cody and I are both from Massachusetts. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the percentage. Let us know. <laughs> Let us know in on social media. Hit us up at Gold City Ventures anywhere. Let us know if you know what Dunkin' Donuts is. <laughs> and if it's you like, consider it yeah. good or bad. <laughs> yeah. The big because... Starbucks versus Dunkin's debate in the Northeast is always an ongoing feud. <laughs> and it, it defines who you are as a person. So I had a boss <laughs> from the UK that told me Dunkin' Donuts was the fast food of coffee in the US. Wow. Um, and I'm surprised I'm... you're a Dunkin's girl after you lived out on the West Coast for so long. I will. It's it's my culture. It's where I grew up. But I have to admit, some of these other coffees are much better. But there's nothing like a big Dunkin's iced coffee year round that can get me going. But so, anyways, enough about the Dunkin' Donuts and the, and the mock-up debacle. Stay tuned on that. We're definitely going to give you all information. And you know, Cody and I, we love being experimenters in our Etsy shop. So we have something planned with our listing images that we've been experimenting with. And you know what? I just want to say, if you're out there. I'm sorry this is happening to you right now because we all just went through the drama of having to resize our listing images to fit the square crops. And now we're going to go through the drama again regarding the mock-ups. So if you are struggling out there and it's just overwhelming, we we definitely feel you. And we're all here together going through this. So we're sorry. It's It's a privilege to be on the Etsy platform because they have so many customers and they have such a strong brand. But man, is it difficult sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it is not fun. You got to always adapt with the times. 
But let's spin to a more positive note, Julie. I know you have something exciting in the works for the next podcast episode, something that'll help people make more sales. So do you want to tease that a little bit and talk about what's going on? Yep. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to get into interviewing a little bit of Cody Berman, just giving everyone a quick soundbite of who you are, because they've listened to your voice now for this episode, but I don't know you. That's fair. (laughs) So next episode, I'm going to get into what I see are the best selling trends for Etsy. I'm going to focus on the digital product space because that's the space that I know that I'm constantly scanning. But I do think that there are some nuggets that will apply to all sellers. So stay tuned for that. And specifically, I'm going to pull some gems that I pulled out out of my favorite keyword research tools. And there are some fun ones. I think there are certain aesthetics that people are looking for in their stuff. Like, for example, I'm not going to get in. I don't want to spoil the fun. But did you know, Cody, that pink Halloween items were really big this year because of the success of Barbie? Did you know that? I did not know that. No. Well, I have some other hot tips like that for the holidays that I'm going to be sharing next episode. So stay tuned on that. But no further ado, let's get into who Cody Berman is. So Cody, can you give us the 30 second soundbite of yourself? Yeah, I think that was a perfect segue because I kind of made my big splash with seasonal products. That was what got me started on this journey. So Julie actually introduced me to printables back in 2018. She was like, Hey, I'm selling printables on Etsy. And we were both side hustlers at this time. We both had, both had podcasts. Like I was just willing to try anything to make money. I was young and hungry. She's like, yeah, I spent like 50 hours building out this shop, made like six grand this year. And I'm like doing the math in my head. I'm like, that's pretty good return. It's like $120 an hour. And you were still making money on those products. I know you had kind of slowed down at that point, but you were like, you should give it a shot selling digital products on Etsy. And so I launched my Etsy shop. Honestly, it didn't go very well for the first couple of months. I didn't know what I was doing. My listing images were ugly. I didn't do keyword research. I didn't know what was going to be in demand. And then I had my, I remember I was so frantically texting you this week when I had my big debut in February, shortly after, or a couple of months after opening my shop. And I had created all of these Valentine's Day items in like December and January. And during Valentine's week, I made over $700. And that was like the first time where I really experienced like true kind of passive income. Like I was skiing in Lake Tahoe that week. I wasn't working on my laptop, but the sales were still coming in because there were digital products that I had created a month or two months ago. And Etsy just delivers it to the buyer. And basically all I had to do was answer the occasional customer questions. So after that, kind of got addicted to the digital product thing. In the meantime, in the mix of all this, Julie and I had launched a course together called ePrintables that was kind of teaching people because like myself, like when when Julie told me about selling printables on Etsy, I was like, first of all, what are printables? Second of all, I've never been on Etsy before. And I think you had a lot of other people who are really interested in this side hustle. I know you launched a mastermind back then. So the demand was so high from people who wanted to learn this thing. So ended up launching this course to kind of just tell people, hey, this is exactly how I did it. Here's how you can kind of take the strategies and the things that I learned, avoid the failures and go and sell your own digital products. So and now I've been a digital product seller for five years and it's pretty awesome. It's one of the most passive side hustles I've found. And that's coming from a guy who's done like 30 plus side hustles, including delivering Uber Eats on a bicycle, speaking at DoorDash. <laughs> yep. so that's, wh- that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> and Cody, sort of why you and I connected is because we both had personal finance, financial independence, retire early podcasts. So for anyone that doesn't know the FIRE movement, Cody and I wanted to retire in our 30s. I'm in my mid-30s and Cody hasn't reached the the 30s quite yet, (laughs) although he's coming around the corner on it. 
And do we want to retire early anymore? I, f- I love what I do. So I don't think so. What about you? No, I like the financial independence part. But no, the not the retire early. I, I absolutely love what we do. It's, it's fun. I, I get excited working every day. It's cool being able to work on our own schedules. I'll, I will say that. I do like retiring from a corporate job where I wasn't stuck. Well, it was more like a seven to seven, not a nine to five for my commute and everything. But yeah, I love what we do every day. So I, as of right now, I have no plans on retiring or slowing down. That's exactly how I feel too. So Cody and I started Gold City Ventures together and our flagship course is ePrintables where we help people learn the A to Z of starting a digital product business on Etsy. So right now we're kind of getting into our busy time because we open our program publicly twice a year and we we typically open it the first week of November. So we've been scrambling. I had the big party with all the kids and then now we're going straight into this launch where until Monday, November 6th at midnight, we are inviting everyone to come join us in the ePrintables course, where for uh, one fee, you can get the full suite of starting a digital product printables business on Etsy just in time for the holidays. So yeah. that's we're, we're very busy. Um, very but busy. Cody and I have and a course, lot of fun with that. Us geniuses are like, yeah, let's do it the night after Halloween. It's like you're going to do all this stuff on October 31st to make sure that everything's good at November 1st at like 1 a.m. So that was fun. That was fun. Maybe we'll learn for next year, but. I'm super excited. We've already got a bunch of new students in the course, and it seems like people are starting to kind of rip through, create their first printables, which is always super exciting and what keeps us going and keeps us motivated. Yeah, but I think the holidays for any Etsy seller, whether you're digital or handmade or or now POD, the holidays are the time where we see the bump in activity in our shops. So there's a lot going on for sellers. And if you're not seeing the bump, stay tuned to this podcast because we are data people. Cody and I are both coming from that blogging, podcasting background. So we're going to give you the reasons why certain things are trending. I, I personally, I love the Etsy holiday stuff they put out, but sometimes it's hard to kind of tell what where they're getting that data from. We're going to give you a little bit more concrete. Like when I say the stuff that Halloween is pink, I'm going to give you a reason of specifically why we're seeing search volume for that and what tools we're using and all the details. So we're going to get in the weeds in kind of a fun way so that those of you that if you are struggling a little bit with sales, I think stay tuned to some of our future episodes. We're going to help you out in that aspect because I think that's what we're good at and we're going to bring that to the table. And I just want to add one thing about seasonal products. I think this is an important message. Some of the pushback I get is like, oh, I don't want to just create products for Halloween. I don't want to just create products for Christmas because then in April, I won't have any sales or in June, I won't have any sales. But here's the cool thing about seasonal products. This is basically what I did for like an entire year. If you create stuff for every holiday for a full calendar year, Mm. now as that cycle continues to repeat and repeat, like I have stuff that I created back in like 2018, 2019 that still sells during Valentine's Day and Christmas because the cycle just keeps on repeating. So you just basically are building up your inventory as you start to create these seasonal products. So it's one of my favorite strategies to get going on Etsy. Like Julie said, it's one of the fastest ways we see people in our community really take off. Like I know we just had a few people who were posting in our Facebook group. They had like a hundred sales or a hundred sales plus mm-hmm. just during Halloween weekend or, yeah. you know, Halloween, Halloween on Wednesday, night. Halloween night. It's crazy. So yeah, I, I just love using the seasons and the holidays to just maximize on that keyboard volume. Like there's so much search volume for these certain items during these times of year, like Valentine's Day, Christmas, which is bonkers to see how many people are clicking and buying on Etsy. So if we can learn how to how to capitalize on that and make money in our Etsy shops, that's what Julie and I are here to do and here to teach you. I know. Like right now, I should be noting everything I needed for Halloween that I didn't have. So for <laughs> yeah. example, 
I know someone in our course, I think they made a trick-or-treating sign and they made it one minute before they left to go trick-or-treating just to say, hey, we're out, like grab, you know, grab a candy. And that sold like a hundred times in like the hour after she posted it. And I totally get it because I had that problem too. Two years ago, I got completely wiped out in the candy bowl where, you know, some big kids came through and an unattended candy bowl. It's too tempting, right? Kind of dark lighting. Like I really created the atmosphere <laughs> to just take the whole thing. I'm, I'm surprised no one walked off with my bowl, which I love my my bowl. It's very festive. So thank goodness they didn't do that. But little things like that, maybe after the holiday passes, I wish I did a better job of noting what I personally bought in my life, what I saw other sellers doing, what I ne- could have used, and then maybe have a list for next year when I'm like trying to come up with ideas a few months in advance. So I wish I did that. Maybe there are some sellers that are really good at systems. They can come on and tell us how they take their notes year round, but we'll get maybe on. that's a good start. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get them on for sure. But anyways, we'll wrap up this episode, but I just wanted to introduce the fabulous Cody Berman to you guys. Now, this episode is a little bit different. We're going to do more of a produced podcast, but we're still in the transition of the fabulous host, Lauren. We we miss her, but we're excited for her with her departure and just focus more on her personal life and everything that she's doing um, and the great community that she's built here. So please do stick around. Gold City Ventures, we are a seller community. We focus on digital products, but we have handmade sellers. I've sold handmade before. Cody has sold a physical product. He used an Amazon disc golf seller back in the day. Um, so we we hopefully can speak to all aspects of your online business. And we're very in tune of, of helping sellers get where they want to go. And this is our second podcast for both of us. So stay tuned. We're going to have a fun format coming up, but we couldn't delay any longer talking about POD. Oh, and Cody, why don't you tell them if they do want to hear more about the Gold City Ventures e-printables course launch that's going on right now and the special the specials that we're offering, where can they find that? Yeah, good call. Uh, goldcityventures.com. And if you are following us on any of our socials at Gold City Ventures, you can click into our profile. There'll be links for everything there too. Yeah, hope to, hope to see some of you guys in there. We've got a lot of people, like I mentioned already, and I am so excited to see the future of this podcast, Julia. I know you have some really exciting plans for it. I do. I do. Can't wait. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Bye.